All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, June 6th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, June 6th, mark this day in history. This is a big day for us. We are officially opening the first ever Mo News headquarters at WeWork in Brooklyn today. That's awesome. Uh, so exciting. I think that's huge news for Mo News. I can't wait to come in and work down there at least a couple days a week with you. Yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, we record this podcast remotely, uh, Jill at her home, me at my home, and we now officially have office space. So that's very exciting. We'll tell you much more on this podcast about our new partnership with WeWork, but it is exciting because we officially have office space. Like, this is real now. So this is happening. This is a real company. We're doing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. So, uh, Mom, we will... Dad, I told you this was real. <laughs> <laughs> so we will uh, give everyone a behind-the-scenes tour when it's all set up over on the Instagram account. All right, now on to some other news. Apple is adding some much-talked-about updates to its new phone operating system as it also rolls out its new virtual reality headset. Prince Harry set to take the stand in a historic trial against newspapers in the UK. An update on that plane crash that led to the scrambling of military jets and a sonic boom over D.C. We'll also tell you about the 95-year-old federal judge who is suing the United States government to keep her job. And you guys all thought that President Biden was old. Well, <laughs> we have a 95-year-old federal judge and she does not want to stop working. And we're going to take a look at the record wildfire season in Canada and the impact that it's having on the air that we breathe right here in the United States. Meanwhile, the U.S. government filed a lawsuit against the big crypto exchange in the world and the CEO of CNN is apologizing to the network after an unflattering profile and Mosh has on this day in history. Jill, a big anniversary for the game of Tetris and Sex in the City. You are speaking my language, Mosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with everything Apple. Apple's iOS 17 operating system is official. It debuted Monday at the tech company's annual WWDC conference. Highlights include new safety features, a built-in journaling app, a new nightstand mode, better autocorrect and voice transcription, and also live voicemail. And you'll be able to drop the hey from Hey Siri. Now, it came as part of Apple's big new product rollout with their new virtual reality goggles. But let's 
first focus on iOS 17, since it's safe to say that the vast majority of us are probably not buying those VR goggles, at least right away. So iOS 17 is going to have a new live transcription feature for voicemail that lets you view a transcript of the message that a caller is leaving in real time. So you could choose to ride it out (laughs) or pick up the call, and it is all handled on device. This is a big deal now that nobody answers the phone, Jill. This is sort <laughs> totally. of like, this is this is the 2023 version of caller ID in the mid-90s. You know, when you're like, oh, who's calling? Oh, I'm going to pick that up. Now, literally, you can see what they're going to say in the voicemail. Be like, okay, I'll, I will pick this up as they're talking. I like the tone <laughs> of this message. You're also going to be able to leave a video message on FaceTime. All right, Mosh, when your child is born you are going to realize how much you use FaceTime. You'll be FaceTiming everybody, especially your parents and and Alex's parents. And this is going to be awesome. So that is a great feature that I'm excited for. I'm very excited because also it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes live FaceTime uh, lasts a very long time. So the ability to just leave a video message will be very nice. Okay, there's also some updates to messages that include the ability to filter searches with additional terms, transcriptions of voice messages, and a series of new features called check-in that shares your live location and status with somebody else, and it can automatically send a message to a friend when you've arrived home, and it could share your phone's battery and cell service status to help avoid confusion if you're in a dead zone. Jill, I had an instance of this recently where I literally picked up a call and I'm like, I'm at 2%. Do you need to talk to me right now? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess this will be helpful in those instances. Uh, AirDrop also got an update to send contact information. It's called NameDrop, which will send your selected email addresses and phone numbers and your poster just by bringing two iPhones near each other. I saw a demonstration of that online. Very cool. And it also works between an iPhone and an Apple Watch. Photos can also be shared that same way. And if the file is a big one, it is now possible to move out of range while continuing the download. Jill, both of us are iPhone people, but I did hear from a lot of Google people who have the Google Pixel phones, Android users, who are like, you guys haven't had this. We've had some of this stuff for years. So uh, Twitter and social media were filled today with people saying, Welcome to the party, iPhone users. I can't believe you're so loyal to Apple. Now, Mosh, that is some news you can use. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you still get that green message on text message, which, you know, is probably one of the reasons we stick with Apple. But it is interesting to know that the other side has had some of these features for a while while we uh, in the iPhone community celebrate them. Uh, One important thing also, iOS 17 will include keyboard updates and enhancements to autocorrect, which we think is ducking great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i had to say it i had to say it and and i really hope that it'll stop me from saying ducking because i never mean ducking apple and i hope that io 17 finally recognizes that notably one more thing here uh before we get to the vr stuff they have a new mode called standby on the iphone that'll let you turn your phone into say a clock when it's dormant you can turn it on inside and it'll look like a clock It'll also include widgets, home controls, other information, basically a smart display. And so you can uh, basically turn your phone into that on your nightstand or wherever you choose to, which um, I think is pretty cool. They'll have some customizable clock faces, et cetera. And as you noted, you can drop the hey from hey Siri. It's just going to be Siri now, but I feel bad for all the Siri's, Sarah's, all, all the various folks whose names are too similar to Siri because the hey was able to distinguish things uh, in the past. And you no longer have that. So Good luck to all of you. 
Back to that standby mode that you mentioned, I really like that because I find that I check my phone in the middle of the night simply to see what time it is. And then yeah. while I'm there, something right. will catch my eye. Like Mosh, you don't sleep. So y'all, I'll have texts from you at like 1 a.m. Like, we need to do this for the podcast or blah, blah, blah. Just random things that come up on your phone. And this way, you just won't have to deal with that. It'll, it'll just be the phone display. Speaking of which, by the way, the Google community tells me that they've also had the ability to schedule <laughs> text messages for years. And even in iOS 17, it does not appear we're getting that update in the Apple community, which then would prevent me, Jill, from sending you the 1.30 a.m. idea at 1.30 a.m. So <laughs> I hope the people in Cupertino, California, over at Apple, will recognize that for iOS 18. That's actually brilliant. By the way, it's not just you sending me these off-hour texts. I get up very early uh, when yeah. I know that you're probably sleeping, but I'm the same way. I'm like, if I don't send this text right now, the baby's going to get up, I'm going to start the day, and then that idea will be gone forever. All right, so this is not all available immediately. Right now, iOS 17 is available to developers. They will be releasing a public beta next month, and then it'll be available this fall for iPhone XS and newer. So look out for that. In addition to the iOS updates, they also announced a 15-inch MacBook Air, which Apple claims will have 18 hours of battery life. So uh, look out for that. And then, drumroll, the VR goggles. They're being called Apple Vision Pro, it appears the leaks were accurate that we discussed on the podcast. It's going for $3,500, Jill. It'll seamlessly blend both the real and digital world. They look like a pair of ski goggles. They have a battery pack. Uh, and what's very interesting about these, it's controlled with the eyes, your hands, and your voice. So they're positioning Vision Pro as a primarily an augmented reality device, meaning you see through, you see the real world, but then you see other digital stuff pop up in front of it. Though they can switch to full virtual reality mode. You can see rows of app icons. Uh, they have a separate operating system for this. Uh, and so this is the, the big rollout that we are waiting for beyond the iOS updates that we'll all you know, uh, be using, these virtual reality goggles. Apple's planning to rely entirely on voice inputs and hand-eye gestures. On top of that, Apple's created a new feature. It's called EyeSight that uses the seamless curved display on the headset's exterior so that people can see a user's reaction while someone is wearing the device. Yeah, so to translate that, literally, you can kind of see through these goggles, I mean, like ski goggles. And so you can still see the people's eyes as they're looking at this through the virtual reality set. Right. So one of the videos that Apple had put out today that I'd watched to explain it, when we're saying that it's sort of half virtual reality, but also regular reality. So they were, had an example where somebody was wearing the goggles and they were looking at all of the apps, but their kids were there. And one of them threw something at the dad or kicked a soccer ball or something at him. And he was able to stop it. He was able to get that soccer ball. He was able to do dinner and stuff with his kids while also being in this virtual reality Sort of takes multitasking to the next level. <laughs> I try to put my phone away. It's something that we've talked about a bit. I, I don't even understand how you can rationalize like the idea of being present with these goggles on, but okay, <laughs> Hey whatever. kids, I'm really listening to you while I wear these goggles. It sort of reminds me of Back to the Future. We've mentioned the film a few times, but they sort of had these devices that they imagined almost 40 years ago now. And we mentioned this is going to compete with the new Meta VR goggles, but the price differential is huge. The Meta Quest 3, far more affordable. It's going to cost just 499 bucks. Again, that's uh, versus Apple, which costs about 3500 And Jill, uh, understand from the announcement that these will also be available in the coming months. 
Okay, now to a trial that we're watching this week out of the UK. Prince Harry is set to testify today in the first of his five pending legal cases, largely centered around battles with British tabloids. Opening arguments began yesterday. Harry said in court documents that the royal family has avoided the courts to prevent testifying about matters that could be embarrassing. His frustration and anger at the press, however, impelled him to buck convention by suing newspaper owners, allegedly against the wishes of his father, who is now King Charles III. As part of his declared mission to stop the tabloid media from behaving badly, Harry is suing the publisher of the Daily Mirror and is expected to testify and face cross-examination over at least two days. In the lawsuit, Harry and three others allege that their phones were hacked, their voicemails were accessed, and information about them was obtained illegally by journalists working for the Mirror Group newspapers. They also say that journalists hired private investigators to get information about them. And they say senior executives, including Pierce Morgan, then the Mirror's editor, must have been aware of this, but did nothing beyond continuing to pursue their commercial interests. So this trial, as you mentioned, started yesterday. Uh, Prince Harry was not in court. He apparently was still in L.A. celebrating his daughter's birthday over the weekend. But they did say that he intends to be able to testify as soon as today. Lawyers for the Mirror accused Harry of wasting the court's time, calling it absolutely extraordinary that he's not available on the first day of the trial. Either way, this is moving forward here. This trial is a test case involving four claimants, including Prince Harry, as well as two members of Britain's longest-running soap opera. The verdict really could determine here the outcome of hacking claims also made against the Mirror by other celebrities. And so this case is broken into two parts. There's a generic case that lasted nearly three weeks in which Harry's lawyer laid out the alleged evidence. And now the second part that starts this week with the four claimants testifying about specific acts targeting them. Harry, by the way, is not the first person in his family to go after the mirror. His mother, Diana, 30 years ago, filed a lawsuit against the tabloid after it published photos of her working out at a London health club. By the way, those photos were snapped with a hidden camera that were placed by the gym's owner. Queen Elizabeth, uh, 10 years later, filed her own lawsuit against the mirror. Apparently, a reporter of theirs was undercover as a palace employee. Both the Diana and Elizabeth cases were settled before going to trial. So that's the difference here. And a historical note for those of you who uh, enjoy British royal history, if Harry testifies as scheduled today, he'll be the first member of the royal family to do so since the late 19th century when Queen Victoria's son, Prince Albert Edward, testified twice in court. He would go on to become King Edward VII. He had to testify over divorce proceedings, as well as a slander case involving a person who cheated in cards. So there's your royal bit of trivia today. Uh, but uh, keep in mind, we will watch this. And as you mentioned, Jill, this is just one of uh, five cases that Harry has going on right now when it comes to the tabloids. All right, we have a lot more to get to, including today's speed read. And Jill, a surprise reunion for the Fugees. For those of you who like the 90s band, I'll have that for you later in the speed read. But let's start here with one of our partners this week, Hold On Bags. It's more important than ever for us to be making changes as we continue to see all these climate change headlines. We certainly discuss them on this podcast. And you can, we all can really start to do some small things that'll help the environment, including choosing which type of sandwich and trash bags that you use. So we're very happy here to be partnering with Hold On uh, that is one word, H-O-L-D-O-N. It's a company that is all about finding a better way to go about our daily chores. Trash bags, kitchen bags, we know they're necessary staples, but it turns out they don't need to be 100% plastic, which, by the way, plastic cannot be recycled. So hold on, trash and kitchen bags are heavy-duty, plant-based, non-toxic, 
and 100% home compostable. My wife, Alex, and I have been using them in our kitchen, and it feels good to be part of the movement away from single-use plastics. Uh, these bags, by the way, break down in just a matter of weeks and not centuries like traditional plastic bags. And they're offering right now Hold On Is, a special deal for the MoNews community. You can visit holdonbags.com slash MoNews. Again, that is holdonbags.com slash MoNews. And using the code MoNews at checkout, you will save 20% off your order. Again, that is H-O-L-D-O-N-Bags.com slash MoNews to receive 20% off your next order. Now to Athletic Greens. We're always talking about health trends and food trends here on the podcast, and it can be hard to get all of your nutrients. One way to try to get the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy and it's quick, and it lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. And it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You could get a discounted monthly subscription or you can try it one time for just a month. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal. Okay, time now for the speed read from the Washington Post, an update on the plane crash in Virginia over the weekend. We first told you about it yesterday. We've now learned that the pilot of the military jet saw the pilot of that private plane slumped over. The development came as the National Transportation Safety Board investigators arrived at the scene Monday. This is the crash that was linked to that sonic boom heard a day earlier across the Washington, D.C. region. Experts said the publicly available flight data suggests the pilot had fallen unconscious, most likely because of a loss of pressurization, and that the plane was flying on autopilot until it ran out of fuel. The FAA said preliminary information shows the pilot and all three passengers died, which it said uh, occurred, quote, under unknown circumstances, all four people on the plane, including a 49-year-old woman, her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and a nanny heading to their home in East Hampton died. Police are still investigating what caused this incident, but that the plane was likely to have crashed after losing pressurization. Yes, this was a Cessna Citation private plane. It had departed Sunday from a small airport in Tennessee, bound for Long Island. But then if you look at the flight tracking, it turned back south after reaching New York. It never started to lower like it was going to land. It basically does a quick U-turn around uh, New York and then heads back uh, towards its original location. Contact with the plane apparently was lost about 15 minutes after its departure as it was passing Virginia for the first time. So they went a while there without being able to communicate with the plane. As it then made its way around and then back towards the nation's capital, that's when it entered a, a special zone where planes are not supposed to go. And so six F-16s scrambled from Joint Base Andrews, two others from other facilities, and they were given special authorization to go at supersonic speeds to catch up with the Cessna plane. That's what led to the sonic boom over DC. And it appears here that the plane made no attempt uh, to descend at any point, just running out of fuel there. Though the plane's trajectory does confound investigators right now, aviation experts say it would not be normal for a plane to head for a destination and then make a U-turn before backtracking, even if autopilot was guiding the plane in place of a human pilot. So there are questions here as to what took place, and they're going to investigate um, that in the coming days. 
Heading north of the border, this from Reuters now, Canada is on track for its worst ever year of wildfire destruction as warm and dry conditions are forecast to persist through the end of the summer after an unprecedented start to the fire season. Fires are burning in nearly all Canadian provinces and territories, and federal government officials said that their modeling shows increased wildfire risk in most of Canada through August. Quebec in eastern Canada was currently the worst impacted due to multiple fires ignited by lightning. The rate of increase of area burned is also high. If this rate continues, we could hit record levels for area burned this year, officials say. Wildfires are the second most expensive disaster in Canada after flooding and have destroyed homes, impacted oil and gas production in the main crude producing province of Alberta, and polluted the air in both Canada and and the United States. Yeah, so millions of people across the American Midwest are under dangerous air quality conditions this week as smoke from those wildfires in Canada wafts over the border. Hazy skies have blanketed a portion of the U.S. from the Ohio Valley as far south as the Carolinas, actually. And so air quality advisories are in effect um, in a number of northern U.S. states. Back to Canada, though, the area that's burned that's under fire right now, Jill, is more than 13 times the normal area they see experiencing wildfires. There are currently more than 400 active wildfires, 250 deemed out of control, and about 26,000 people under evacuation orders. More than 100,000 people have already evacuated. When looking on a population percentage basis, Jill, that would be the equivalent of 15 million people in America evacuating their homes. All right, from Newsweek, the oldest active federal judge in the country, Pauline Newman, who is 95 years old, is suing her colleagues and accusing them of violating the Constitution, which says nothing about mandated retirement for lifetime appointees. Newman is the chief judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. Those colleagues are accusing her of misconduct, saying that she can no longer do the job. And so the court is no longer assigning Newman new cases. She claims that she was also stripped of her assistant, a law clerk, and an office computer. But officials with the court say that the staffers chose to leave on their own and that Newman's failure to understand the situation is a sign of her decline. Some of Newman's fellow judges in the court orders have accused her of being paranoid and having some bizarre behavior. Newman says she is fine, and it is her colleagues who have lost their minds. But Newman, who turns 96 this month, has no interest in going anywhere. She said, quote, it's important to the nation, if I can say so. If I were really debilitated, as they say, physically and mentally, I hope I would have the sense to step down. But as it is, I feel that I can make a contribution and must. That's what I was appointed to do. So there you have it, folks. 95-year-old Pauline Newman, who turns 96 this month, insists she's not the crazy one. It's her colleagues who are trying to get her to retire. So she is the chief judge, as you mentioned on this, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. The Federal Circuit is an obscure court whose rulings on patents can have a seismic impact on financial markets. So it's a significant court you probably haven't heard of before. Now, this dispute over her refusal to step down is one of the many debates being had in Washington and across the country about how old is too old uh, for a public official to do the job. We've been talking about Diane Feinstein, the senator from California, who's 89. And some of her colleagues are like, yeah, you need to give it up. 
Of course, we've been talking about the presidential election, 80-year-old Joe Biden versus 76-year-old Donald Trump. I think they'll be 81 and 77, respectively, if one of them is elected next year. And so now you're seeing this fight over the 96-year-old judge in, uh, in the federal circuit. The court has now made public nearly a dozen orders issued by the committee that was formed to investigate her competence, her conduct. Uh, those filings, they allege Newman has shown to be of significant mental deterioration since suffering a heart attack a couple of years ago. They say she takes far longer than other judges to decide cases, writes fewer opinions. She couldn't complete an online uh, security training, blames hackers whenever she can't find a file on her computer. She apparently forgot a court rule that's been in place for a while. She apparently referred recently to a judge who's been dead for a while. Uh, she's also accused of mishandling serious disputes among employees. Uh, Newman, for her part, again, calls the allegations either false or grievously distorted. So we're gonna see how this all goes down here, Jill, uh, but it's a fascinating case to see play out. Okay, from CNN, U.S. regulators are suing Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, accusing the company of running an illegal exchange in the United States. The SEC alleges that the company acted in, quote, blatant disregard of U.S. securities laws. It also named Binance's CEO, known as CZ, as a defendant. The SEC filed 13 charges, alleging the company engaged in an extensive web of deception, conflicts of interest, lack of disclosure, and calculated evasion of the law. The SEC also alleging that the CEO and Binance commingled customer assets and even diverted some to an entity controlled by the CEO. The complaint reads that a Binance official admitted to another Binance compliance officer in December 2018 that, quote, we are operating as a effing unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro. This quote uh, getting a lot of play online today, Jill, you know, literally an admission within their internal messages that they knew what they were doing here. A spokesperson for Binance says the company takes the SEC allegations seriously, but it believes the accusations are unjustified. This is just the latest suit now in the most recent crackdown on the crypto industry. Since just January, the SEC has charged Kraken, Genesis, and Gemini Trust with offering unregistered securities to investors and has warned Coinbase of potential securities charges. Of course, they're dealing with Binance here, uh, but this is sort of a reckoning, if you will, uh, for crypto, which operated uh, pretty loose for a while. You know, And of course, we're watching the Sam Bankman-Fried trial as well. And from the Wall Street Journal, CNN's CEO Chris Licht apologizing to staff on a morning editorial call Monday saying that news about his management of the network was overshadowing its journalistic achievements. Licht's remarks came after an unflattering profile of him in The Atlantic magazine. It was published on Friday. He said on this call, quote, I know these past few days have been very hard for this group, uh, and I fully recognize that this news cycle and my role in it have overshadowed the incredible week of reporting we just had and distracted from the work of every single journalist in this organization. And for that, I am sorry. Licht took the helm at CNN last year. Its ratings have been at historic lows, and the network has been struggling to find the right formula in primetime. While also experimenting with its morning programs, Licht has tried to reset the network's editorial approach after research showed viewers found it had a partisan edge that is according to people close to the network. Yeah, effectively, this new management team under Licht has been trying to recalibrate the network, the feeling that it got way too liberal, way too anti-Trump, and they've been trying to bring it more towards the center. Uh, I should say, Jill, uh, Chris happens to be a former boss of mine at CBS, uh, and this story did not turn out so well, this Atlantic story you mentioned. 
probably 15,000 words, probably takes a half hour to read. They gave the reporter a lot of access. And in this very long article, uh, Licht uh, was critical of the network CNN's approach to Trump. Uh, and some people within the network feel that this was the first time they were hearing this criticism. Uh, they didn't hear it directly and uh, weren't happy with it. And there's been this general sense among some employees, if you go with the reports, that uh, they've been unhappy that they haven't had access to him, that he takes a different approach than the previous bosses. It comes, Jill, as there was a separate story over the weekend in the New York Times uh, about Jeff Zucker, the former head of CNN, who was fired last year for having uh, an affair with the number two at the network, that he continues to be in touch with employees, that he's been critical of Chris Lick's approach, sort of running a, a shadow uh, campaign against Licht. So there's a lot of drama happening here. The larger challenge at CNN, though, as we noted, is how to keep viewers, despite going nonpartisan, their hope to go towards the center. Republicans, very critical of CNN to start with. Now, uh, the feeling among some of the left is that uh, that CNN's going way towards the middle. So now they have haters on the right and haters on the left. Uh, and that's been the challenge here. And it comes as this profile came out of Licht. Uh, that, again, had some uh, unfortunate anecdotes in it uh, and overshadowed what was happening in the network. So just sort of a drama at CNN, and, and we'll see how they correct it. It does come as Discovery now owns CNN, and the boss there, David Zasloff, has been part of this attempt to recalibrate CNN with the feeling that Fox is sort of right-wing, MSNBC is left-wing, and they want to make CNN the centrist channel again. And finally, from Variety, this is what it sounded like on a concert stage in Philly Saturday night. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm gonna find you and make you want. That was a bit of the Fugees reuniting over the weekend. Lauren Hill was the headliner Saturday at a Philadelphia festival organized by The Roots, celebrating the 25th anniversary of her solo album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Jill, that was 25 years ago. Hashtag world mosh. <laughs> Wyclef Jean and Praj joined her in a surprise appearance. They performed five Fuji songs together, including Killing Me Softly with his song, Ready or Not. And a set closing, Fuji, I can't even say these because I just want to sing them, right? <laughs> That's how much they're kind of ingrained into my head. Uh, Fuji La, Hill declared, quote, these are my brothers. It took the audience by surprise, Jill. We saw a lot of videos, including uh, the clip we played on social media, of people being like, oh my God, am I witnessing the Fuji's reunion right now? <laughs> and it is notable because they were supposed to reunite, that was canceled, and this sort of happened ad hoc. And this may be the last time Hill will be performing with Praz and Wyclef. We've noted uh, on this podcast in the newsletter that Praz is soon set for sentencing right now after being found guilty on charges related to international financial conspiracy. So he's set to face a few years in prison here. Uh, so uh, it, it is very cool to see them performing together. Jill, this is one of those iconic groups. If you grew up in the 90s, you know, the Fugees were it for a couple of years. I'm having flashbacks to me cruising around in my high school car, playing the miseducation of Lauryn Hill and all of those songs. They're, every one of the songs on her album were just a hit. Right. So you had the Fugees as a group and then Lauryn goes single. They all go single and they continue to put out hits. I mean, I remember watching MTV Spring Break as they were performing there in the mid to late 90s, etc. So uh, very cool. Uh, there's a whole bunch of YouTube videos uh, and we can include a link in the show notes to one of the... Uh, videos that captured their reunion. All right, Jill, now time for On This Day, on this June 6th. We're going to begin in 1944, D-Day. 
160,000 Allied soldiers land in Normandy, France, bringing together land, air, sea forces of what became the largest amphibious invasion in military history. They would take five beaches. I, I had the good fortune of visiting uh, the Normandy beaches a few years ago. It's still remarkable to see all these years later. The World War II invasion of Normandy established a new front against the Germans in the West, helped the Soviet forces that were then facing the Germans in the East. The numbers are incredible. Uh, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, Spielberg tried to visualize it for all of us. Uh, 7,000 ships and landing craft, uh, tons of naval personnel. It was troops from the US, Canada, the British, etc. More than 10,000 uh, troops would die that day. Germany, though, would capitulate within 11 months of the D-Day invasion the following spring of 1945. And Jill, I should say this, uh, I worked on a documentary for Fox Weather on this a couple of years ago. It's an important date in weather forecaster history. The Allies were supposed to go on June 5th, but meteorologists saw a storm coming, warned Eisenhower, and pushed the invasion another day was actually pretty controversial. Uh, if it went on June 5th, it likely would have failed due to the conditions at sea and, and above. And so it's a, a big win for the uh, forecasters who effectively helped ensure an allied uh, victory with D-Day by uh, pushing them to uh, kick it to June 6th. That's really incredible. I, I, I never knew that history, at least about the weather. And it is incredible to think how much war has changed. It used to be such physical man-to-man -man combat like we saw with D-Day. And now uh, militaries are so much more reliant on drones and missiles. Jill, it, it's remarkable the impact technology has had. Um, and it, you, you do go and visit those beaches and you see what these uh, landing troops were up against, what they were facing. Uh, the courage uh, that really these kids, I mean, they were 18, 19, 20-year-olds uh, trying to uh, help the allies win the war and the courage it must have taken to be part of that landing force. All right, we're going to fast forward here. Uh, on this day in 1946, the NBA was founded. We're playing basketball. Little Bow Wow, not ringing a bell. No. No, apparently I, I missed that Bow Wow song. Jill, I can't think about the NBA without the iconic 90s John Tesh anthem, Ron Ball Rock. Uh, I did a whole history of that song on the Instagram feed. He literally came up with it in his head and left himself Wait, do a it voicemail. Hold on, let's play it. So Jill, you recognize it? <laughs> I do. I recognize it from that. I'm, I'm sorry more than your beats. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, listen, not many people know the history of John Tesh in the early 90s coming up with this song. The uh, NBC had just gotten the rights to the NBA and they're like, come up with like a, a, a good theme song. And this became an iconic song you would associate with kind of 90s NBA. They've brought it back recently, uh, but there's a fun little history behind that. And some of you may know the uh, SNL sketch where it's like John Tesh and fake John Tesh coming up with the lyrics to the song and then deciding like, shouldn't you just go with the instrumental? Anyway, <laughs> I digress. You said that he came up with it and then left himself a voicemail. Is that what you said? Yeah. So he was in Paris at the time uh, doing something for Entertainment Tonight. And he gets this message saying, come up with a theme song. And in his sleep one night in Paris, he hears this beat in his head saying, da -da 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 -da, and he literally calls his because this is the 90s, he calls his home phone, his like answering service, 
and leaves himself singing uh, a message. He's like, he can't, re- he doesn't want to forget the beat. And he apparently leaves himself a message saying, and then he would eventually go home and write, uh, compose the rest of the song. Very cool. All right, Jill, another iconic uh, moment in history on this day in 1984, the game of Tetris is released. Remember this song? I played so much Tetris as a kid. Yeah, no, I, I, I imagine that song brings up memories for many of you of just like hours on the Game Boy playing it. They first released it for computer. It was a Russian computer engineer who created the game. It went on to become one of the most successful video games in history. And finally, Jill, as we teased at the top, Sex and the City began airing on this day 25 years ago on HBO in 1998, starring Sarah Jessica Parker, becoming one of the most influential TV series of the 90s and early 2000s. And a bit of news that you missed, actually, most while you were away, Kim Cattrall, who plays Samantha, uh, is apparently going to make an appearance on the next season of the Sex and the City reboot that's on uh, HBO, or excuse me, Max. Right. It's called Max now. That also came out last week while we were out. Um, it's gone from HBO Now to HBO Go to HBO Max, and now it's just Max. Um, though I guess it's going to be very specific, right? She's not going to be, she'll be talking to Sarah Jessica Parker, but they won't actually shoot next to each other because there's a whole bunch of drama there. I won't get into it on this podcast, but, and just like that, Kim Control is back. And just like that, another podcast under our belt, Mosh. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And thanks to all of you who are joining Mo News Premium. We got a bunch of new members yesterday, so we appreciate all of you who continue to help support what we're doing. You can do that over at mo.news slash premium. We have a special deal going on right now, two months free on the annual package. Support what we're doing, access to an extra podcast, access to a private Instagram account, etc. And so we'd appreciate all of you who head over there, mo.news slash premium. All right. Bye, everybody. Later. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.